your host, Sean Lynn, in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 56. I'm on the road in Denver, Colorado, where I meet up with a new friend, Patrick Devaney. Sit back as he talks about moving from football to faith. I am here in Denver, Colorado at Our Lady of Lourdes, and I am very blessed to meet a new friend, uh, Patrick Devaney. Yep. And uh, Patrick is a... Uh, Works here at the parish, yeah. and uh, actually, tell our friends in the pub who is Patrick today. That's, <laughs> that's a great question. How much time do we have? No, um, I am a recent convert to the Catholic faith. Okay. I was actually, I, I shouldn't say I was baptized Catholic, but we never really practiced growing up. Okay. Um, my mom kind of had a very challenging experience. Uh, you know, she had. The classic nun with the ruler story growing yep. up. And so once she left high school, she didn't really practice much of it. So um, we had some of the traditions, but that was pretty much it. And then I played football at the University of Colorado and then had a cup of coffee with the Seattle Seahawks and was really living my life in a secular way, trying to always achieve more, wanting more. And, um, always found myself in a depressed state and had a few curveballs thrown my way and my mom passed away unexpectedly and kind of came crawling to faith. Uh, didn't know what that meant, but I wanted to find God and something stable in my life and um, met our pastor here uh, through my now wife. Um, she was a focused missionary. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> so I quickly lost that battle and uh, started attending mass, met Father Brian and was confirmed three years ago at about maybe four months into my new Catholicism lifestyle. Left my career in commercial real estate and started working for the church. Wow. So um, went straight to the deep end and now uh, I'm the development director here and raise money for our school which is a whole nother story in itself and do a podcast with the priest, um, trying to explain this thing called Catholicism. It's called the Gregorian rant. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. It's a, it's a play on the fact that I can't, I'm still not quite uh, ready to download any Gregorian chant. Oh, okay. And we, tend to, uh, Father Brian and I rant too much, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. There you go. Well, this this one's a little milder. It's uh, uh, We have a dram and we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. So I love it. two guys meeting in the pub. We're obviously not in the pub, and we're not drinking whiskey because it's early in the morning at a church office. So <laughs> there are appropriate times and places to have your dram. That's right, that's right. <laughs> It's less about the office. It was more, I got to go get my newborn daughter here in a little bit. And yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. I was listening to some of your uh, podcasts uh, 
and and it's it's quite the story that you talk about. I, I read your bio, and and a lot of our young people are struggling with depression and and yeah. stuff like that. And and the faith has helped you overcome that struggles a bit. Or it's uh, truth be told, I, I can honestly say it's the biggest um, part of the success of not feeling the depression and having that constant um, reminder that there's something bigger. Um, without faith, I don't think I would be where I'm at in my own journey. And that's, that's awesome. And you, the one uh, we listened to was about you describing your bike accident. And that was an extremely powerful. And obviously since <laughs> then you've, you've had a, your, your daughter. And that's right. Yeah. So you're, you're like baby Catholic uh, <laughs> and just go, like you said, in the deep end. Like yeah. How, why, why do you think you were called? That's a great question. Um, I would hope, I think the, the motivation I have is, um, especially living my previous life and what I call, um, and hence why it was so important for me to try to do the podcast, because when I started to explore Catholicism, joined RCIA, and I was dating my wife, my now wife, Stephanie, um, we weren't living together before marriage. She was very firm in her faith. Mm -hmm. Weren't living together before marriage. Weren't um, a lot of things that were very that are very commonplace among my friends. Yeah, and so I now have the ability to try to explain the beauty behind it. Before it felt like a lot of rules. Yeah. and our pastor here does. Father Brian does a great job of explaining things that the faith teaches that it's, it really is just a beautiful thing. So I, I hope that I was called to inspire and um, help to make things normal and real and not um, a rigid, what's perceived as rigid faith. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is once you start understanding why, what people call it, the rules or yeah. the the. the, the, the the truth and beauty behind the veil, as it were. That's right. It, it's uh, it's so freeing and enlightening is yeah. to why, like once I started studying the mass even more, because at the time people didn't like the priest we had, but once you understood him and the person in the mass and the beauty, you just, it came alive. That's right. When I always say too, like even with that example, I had started to explore more of a Protestant church, which was kind of the Walmart side, like it's fog machines and strobe lights and all that stuff. And it's, I always kind of compare it with, it's an, it's a very easy on-ramp. It's yeah. entertaining. And when I started to go to mass, I was like, man, up, down, I don't know the prayers. When are we kneeling? There's a lot to learn. And it's a consistent journey of like, you think you start to figure something out and then it's even more deeper and then you start to love it more. And it, you can really, um, it's a never ending journey, uh, versus what I was experiencing was that instant motivational thing, but then I needed a whole new one the next week, um, in the, in the kind of production of the Protestant church. 
Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lot to learn, but it's just so beautiful at the same time. Well, and, and when you ask people, so why are you there? And like, that sounds like the Protestant church that you were at is there to entertain you rather than to go and serve and worship God. That's right. <laughs> it's actually funny you said that. That is literally uh, what I met with Father Brian when I first started going to Mass here. Yeah. And, um, and I was just attending and kind of thinking at the time I would convert my wife to yeah. join the fun church. And he said that exact same thing. And it kind of crushed me because the pastor that was there had left and I wasn't getting the same excitement. So I started to realize in my own heart, but not really saying it, I was there because of him and his like motivational talk. Yeah. And then Father Brian said that exact same thing. And it, it totally shifted my focus and really crushed me and, in a good way, and now I'm Catholic. <laughs> there you go. And you're a father. That's uh, right. And so have you fully, re can you talk a little bit about your accident? Did yeah. You, have you fully recovered from that? Or? I think so. My body, yes, uh, like the bones. Okay. Uh, still got some concussion stuff that I'm working through that I think also had, you know, just playing football. Yep, I was already there. But I actually, uh, in the last couple of years, um, really, actually, right at the start of COVID, right before the start of COVID, I bought a bike. And I had never been a biker, but my knees are so bad uh, that biking is, it was less impact on my knees. So I started going for it. And the priests here, the companions, uh, which is a group of priests here in Denver, they all bike all the time. So FB and I started going a lot, Father Brian. And um, I was up in Boulder in the, at the end of June, and I was coming downhill, and someone had pulled out in front of me, and we collided. I went up and over, fractured my, my spine, fractured sternum, concussion, big laceration on the back of my head. And my wife at the time was nine months pregnant, and um, so she was not pumped in this scenario. No. But... Um, I think the craziest part about the whole thing was I swear I met my guardian angel in that moment. And, um, I remember, as, so when it happened, there was zero fear. I knew I was going to be okay. And I had this, I don't know if it was a vision or actually a man or, and I still haven't found out, but there was just this comforting person holding my hand that, didn't say anything, just sat there until I actually got taken away by the paramedics. And I look back and none of it makes sense as to how someone would have been there. Um, and so it was very, very interesting. And so then I had basically laid in bed for several weeks until the baby was born. And um, honestly, the whole time, I just am absolutely convinced and so convinced that I met my guardian angel. Um, and it's one of those things I joked with Father Brian, the longer, the further away I get from that incident, I really have to like dive into it almost every day because you start to kind of feel crazy yeah. saying it, especially if you're not with somebody who's like faith driven, They're like, what are you talking about? You were definitely knocked out or something. Um, 
So yeah, it's been quite the journey bouncing back from that. Had several months off from work, which actually was a blessing because I got to spend so much time with the baby. Um, but having a baby doesn't help recovering from a concussion when you're not sleeping. So. No, no. Our our son uh, that we're going to go see in Idaho Falls had a fairly major concussion in the state final rugby oh, championships yeah. in high school, and and then just. Uh, yeah, so we're familiar with concussions, uh, and and they they do take a lot of time and talent to uh, recover from. That's right. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun journey. No, no. So we will we'll keep you in our prayers on that, Thank and, you. and uh, hopefully, I I'm just excited sitting here with a a vibrant young man that. And that's what God's what we're trying to reach those young men and, and tell them that the church has a place for them. Totally. And and how do we get them in there? So that's we've tried barbecue outreach, you know, yeah. big shiny grill with meat <laughs> cooking. So it, it does attract a few people. I would imagine. Yeah, I'd be there. I'm sure that helps. Yeah, it's a constant question that we have here. You know, we have a, a very, we're blessed, and Father Brian's done a great job of, it's a very young, yeah. um, family-driven parish. Uh, but it is, I mean, you look at the bishop barons of the world that are speaking to how many, we have more people leaving the faith than entering. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a constant tug-of-war. Or he talks about the nuns, and, uh, and that's where I went to the men's, I don't know what it was this morning, holy hour or whatever, okay. adoration and, and rosary. It was it was great, and it was awesome to see all the young men that were there uh, taking part. And we're we're going to try something new this coming year. Uh, disc golf has become a big thing with young men, yeah, like huge. And so we're going to get some discs made up with tarot demons. And yeah, that's awesome. That's It's funny, right where we moved right now, there's a big disc golf course. Okay. And I, I've never done it. I had never seen it. And it's right outside of our like community. It's packed. It's yeah. unbelievable. And if it's like Calgary, 80% of the people on there are younger men. Yeah. And it's it's just, it. well, COVID, I think, was one of the factors because it's an outdoor game right. and it's it's affordable to get into and and you're not usually most of them you're not paying any fee to go play that's right so it, it really is a, a great game for engaging in uh, just getting your steps in having that's right. fun fellowship and we're going to try and host a couple tournaments and have our barbecue outreach and maybe some of the younger priests and, and missionaries kind of there to help just say hi. That's right. Well, I think, I mean, even with, with what you're doing and hosting this, even when I started to explore Catholicism, I just assumed no alcohol, no, like, it was just so rigid. And when you get around a community that you start to just realize, like, just have a whiskey and talk life and it's not it's not a big party or any of that type of stuff yeah. but it is like you really start to realize again going back to it but the beauty in the whole thing um and having that it's just like this the stereotypes drop 
And well, and that's the thing is the stereotypes when you when you're given the religious perspective on news, it's like the Westboro Baptists. Yeah. Or that's what the religion. Well, no, we're not like that. That's right. As one, you know, as. God hates gays. Well, no, he doesn't. Right. That's so far from the truth. That's right. And and it's but that's what the media portrays us as. Where let's let's have a whiskey and talk about life and a, a dram like a, the title. A dram's only an eighth of an ounce. Like I'm not <laughs> saying we're going to go have a kegger. Yeah. <laughs> a kegger with friends is yeah. would be an appropriate. Thing, right? Totally. That's right. Yeah, I think you nailed it too, is what the media portrays right now. Yeah. And especially here in Denver, there was uh, the big report that came out um, about all the scandals from the priests and whatnot. And what was so interesting is it's like they put out all these stats, but the one they left out was how many happened. There hasn't really been any accusations since like 1990. Oh. And so you're you're talking about something that, uh, of course, was absolutely horrible. Yeah. But the way it's portrayed is like it's actively happening now. The Catholic faith is this and that and the other. And when I became Catholic, it was really hard when that came out here in Denver because I I didn't even really know about the Pope. I didn't know about the bishops. I fell in love with the Mass, and Father Brian was a big part of that. And the church has been around for 2,000 years, and it survived a lot, unlike a lot of other churches that crumble. And it's just so interesting that there is something Holy Spirit's guiding it in a way that yeah. has... Well, and that's where, yes, bad things are happening, but that's where you need all the more to raise good, holy people that's and right. men to break through that. That's right. Because yeah. you, you fix what's ailing the church, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't just oh, it's done. That's that, right. And, which a lot of people do. Well, that and especially in today's society, they they want to just oh that doesn't work for me. I'm done. Right. And I'm out. That's right. And we need to we need to encourage and lovingly invite them back. And that's why we've talked in some of our studies and stuff for, I'm on the board with the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance where we need to evangelize before we try to catechize. Like there's lots of catechized people out there that aren't evangelized. That's right. That's right. And I think it's, yeah, if you listen to the podcast, you quickly know that I'm learning every day, but I think if I remember this right, in the catechism, it starts with evangel evangelization and then talks about like catechism stuff. Like it's like inviting in and then um, the actual teachings. And Father Brian always says like, there's a reason why that's first. And you really got to invite people in and, and, and then start to educate on it. And it's huge. So we were, we were through here three years ago, I guess, before you became Catholic, when we, uh, I lead a motorcycle ride with Jeff Cavins, and we, okay. were, we were just out here in the grotto. Yeah, did a, a stop by and a talk, and they had a just it was it was the best turnout we had in in any of our sessions on our trips. But uh, that was awesome. So it's it's great to see the community growing here. I hear lots of great things about the school, and so you're. 
you're in a great place, it sounds like. But Michelle's, uh, my wife, uh, she wants to move here because the, the Catholic bubble, they call it. That's right. Uh, so, as a young dad, do you have a, a go-to dish that you prepare for you and the your wife? Or? Ooh, that's a... Um, we have several. Right now, we are... <laughs> We're creatures of habit because we're still trying to figure out baby life. Yeah. So it's pretty much our same dishes. You know, Monday uh, we do a chicken parmesan, and my dad actually lives with us. He's okay. down in the basement. Um, so we have a full house that we're trying to <laughs> trying to cook for, and he'll come up and cook. But the go-to right now has been our chicken parm. Okay. And. Uh, we try to make enough to make it last for a few days. There you go. I yeah. might have to try that one. It's uh, we're we have kids that still live with us, and some that go to university, and some that are back moved back, and so we're it's, we're we're downsized to four in the house full time right now. Wow. So it's, yeah. Uh, we're still learning how to cook small meals. <laughs> My wife's big on the instant pot. Um, because she loves to just yep. load it all in, hit start, and somehow we just have so much left over all the time. So that's kind yeah, of our and That's too. where you need the next tool is the sous vide because then you reheat it nice. That's funny. That's okay. My dad just bought one and okay. I, I picked it up. I was like, what is this? But yes, I need to get that. We've been we've been uh, using it quite a bit because it makes the chicken perfect. That's what he said. That's so funny. I was like, really? You just dump it in the water, or whatever. He's like, it's well, you in a bag, but in yeah. the bag, right? And I, but to me, I was like, man, because I just oh, I got food poisoning once from chicken, so I make the worst chicken in the world because I always overcook it. So my deathly afraid. So I need to give that a shot. Yeah, because you. You cook it right to the temperature you want, and then you take it out, brown it up quickly, and it's moist. And I'm sold. Okay. okay. I was resisting it, but now I'm sold. Okay. Give it a try. That's so, right. As, as you probably know, a lot of young men are, are struggling today, even knowing what a man is. What advice do you give your 18-year-old self? Oh, man. Um... If I could go back and say anything, um, I guess I have to put this in context. There's there's so much, um, especially in athletics, and we've talked about concussions, okay. there is such a stigma and this boogeyman in the room around CTE and the effects of con concussions. Yep. Um, and where I played at the University of Colorado, we've had nine guys commit suicide since 2002. Wow. Um, that, and one of which won the Heisman Trophy. So no he was, way. yeah. So Rashawn Salam, he won the Heisman Trophy in the '90s, and at the age of 40, he committed suicide. And so, in my opinion, everyone wants to point to CTE, but there's a huge loss of identity. And you spend your whole life, you know, you kind of peak. You know, you're so many people applauding you, and you're running out in front of people, and then all of a sudden, you wake up and you got to go find a real nine-to-five job. And if I could go back and say anything, it's, it's to really understand my faith, why I believe it, um, and be true to who I am and not, 
um, get caught up in always wanting more. I think we live in a society that everything you do is always about getting more, getting more, doing it faster, being more efficient. And um, if I could have just stood firm and started to understand who I was more so than who I thought I should be, um, I think that would have saved me a lot of pain, heartache, depression, all the above. Well, and you bring up a, a point that a lot of people struggle talking about, is, especially men, is is that their struggles. And what was, you, it was a couple of years ago now, but a number of like extremely successful men, like in corporate Calgary committed suicide. Yeah. Just because they reached the pinnacle and, and found it empty probably. That's and, right. And where that's where having a foundation to fall back on. Yeah, I was fortunate in my, some of my deepest, darkest moments. I had gone through a big eating disorder and, okay. and that was kind of my um, addiction that I turned to. Um, through that process and I was entertaining suicidal thoughts, all this kind of stuff that was really dark and deep. And one of my old football coaches from Colorado, um, a legendary coach in Colorado is Bill McCartney, who is a big player in the Brothers Keepers. Oh, oh Brothers Keepers. Promise Keepers. Yeah. And um, my coach was kind of brought up through McCartney and He's a very uh, Christian man and actually was Catholic. His sister is a nun in Hawaii, but he just kind of has this um, weird relationship and has left the faith, but is Christian. And he taught me out the gates, um, Romans 8, 28, and try and understand that God has a plan and it may not be my plan. And oftentimes I look back at my life and look at all the struggles and I can be mad at those, but I know I had to go through all those to meet my wife and have my daughter. And that is something that no matter what happens, I try to focus on to explain what's happening when I try to control life and it doesn't work out the way I want it to. Um, But yeah, I think most guys, um, I mean, pretty much anyone, but especially now there's, when you're on that constant um, journey for more and you think it should be a certain way, the pressure gets too much. And uh, if you don't have faith, it's hard to explain what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other segments that we do, and you might be fairly new to this, only being a Catholic for three years, but I'm guessing you have, uh, Jeff Cavins talks about riding with your posse, so your go-to saints. Who, who, are, who are the saints that you built the relationship with? That- yeah. This is actually so... Uh, when I had to pick uh, my confirmation saint, yeah. I, I dove into, I was watching all the videos on everybody. Okay. And um, I actually really struggled because I wanted to find somebody, um, you know, I didn't join the priesthood at six, right? Like, and I didn't, there was all these crazy stories that are phenomenal stories, but I was like, man, I lived a very, <laughs> a lot of regret and, and uh, dumb moves in my life and then I came to faith later so I was really on a, on a path to find that and randomly one night I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, about five, six years ago after my, the year after my mom passed I got to go to Italy 
and I'd always wanted to take her. She was full Italian and oh, okay. she never got to go. So long story short, I ended up in Portofino and I had, uh, we had cremated my mom. I didn't know, yeah. blah, blah, that's a whole other story. Uh, but I had this tag that I really wanted to bury over there and leave it. Well, I went to Portofino and I came across a church and I was not Catholic whatsoever. And I left it there. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, what was that church? And it ended up, when you translate it, it's the Church of St. George. And um, when I started to look into him, I really felt like St. George found me. Because I was like, what was it? It was four years ago. I was like up all night trying to figure it out. And he, you know, obviously it was like 300 AD. So there's not a lot of documentation on him. But... um, He's, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson, Canadian, talks about St. George all the time with the killing your dragon and all this kind of stuff. But um, he came to faith later and really um, kind of spoke to me in that. So St. George is my go-to, and then we named my daughter Gianna after St. Gianna. Yeah. So those are my, my wife and I often end every prayer with, you know, St. George pray for us and uh, St. Gianna pray for us. So it's, those are my go-tos. That's awesome. And that's why I like asking those questions because I'm learning stuff yeah. just from saints that I'm not aware of from my guests and why they're important to them. And totally. It's, it's awesome. It's actually the funniest part is I bought a lot of children books yeah. for my daughter. And uh, we haven't, I mean, she's four months now, so I'm still waiting to really read them. But as I've gone through them, like I bought a saint book that was like the A, a through Z. Yeah. And I was like, who are these people? I have no idea. I didn't know there was this or, you know, there's so many inspiring stories yeah. that, uh, yeah, there's tremendous um, stories, but also a lot of saints that <laughs> I didn't know existed. And that's, and that's where it's. It's awesome. So thank you for for taking time out of your day to to allow me into your office. And normally I'd have a, a little dram of whiskey. And so the the term whiskey comes from a Gaelic word called ishtabaha, which means water of life. Whoa! And my prayer is that you continue to lead many souls to the true water of life. And uh, Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it, Chai. And, and seriously, I think what you are doing and um, really trying to grow and inspire young men and just make it normal and not a, uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of other, pod, I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, also watch a lot of other people that are trying to explain the Catholic faith. And sometimes it can be very rigid and yours is not so i really appreciate you and what you're doing so thank you for allowing me to be on here i really appreciate it well and when you're in calgary look us up and uh, we'll have you into the pub that's right count me in okay (laughs) i hope you have enjoyed this episode of a dram with friends like and subscribe go to all podcast platforms to look for it on podcast or go to godsquad.ca to support our mission.